Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Princeton University Press Ideas Podcast, a joint production of Princeton University Press and the New Books Network. I'm Mark Klobis, and today I'm speaking with Dawanda Mulalu, author of the book, Please Make Me Pretty, I Don't Want to Die. Dawanda, welcome to the New Books Network. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. I'm really excited. Well, I'm excited to have you on our podcast. I was wondering if you could start us off by telling our listeners something about yourself. Um, Sure. Um, Something about me that I think probably isn't known by poetry people is that I'm really into uh, watching anime and manga. So uh, I grew up a lot watching a lot of Naruto. I'm I'm pretty much into Jujutsu Kaisen and Demon Slayer right now. My favorite anime is Neon Genesis Evangelion, <laughs> which I think is the, one of the best pieces of visual media that's ever been made, especially the end of Evangelion. Um, but yeah, that's probably one big fact about me that I don't think is like a super academic poetry thing. There are lots of people writing an, uh, poems about anime nowadays, actually. I, I I find it not very surprising because the, you you feature that in, in in some of your work in this collection. I thought that was very interesting. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, I think yeah, the Pokemon Blue poem, um, mm-hmm. and there was a poem that I wanted to put in here that I cut because uh, I thought it was a little hokey. It was a poem called "Kids Play Outside," and I write kaiju dreams, which heavily featured some characters from from Evangelion. So, um, well, I, I guess like. I could like think of another fact about me that um, from the top of my head, which is that I used to be a high school debate like champion kind of person. Like I spent all my time in high school just going around doing debate tournaments and was super nerdy about it, <laughs> um, which is probably more familiar with uh, a lot of the readers of, of the types of books that come out in university presses. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, led you to you know, put out a collection now and 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 what motivated you or what you know inspired uh you to uh you know put the poems into it that you did? Was there a a, a particular incident or was there perhaps a a unifying theme that you wanted to uh display in the work? Sure. Um I think the, the inciting incident, I guess, sorry, that's redundant, but I I'm I'm thinking that like, you know, when I was graduating in in May 2020, um, which was around the beginning of the COVID pandemic. Um, A bunch of us, all of us, got kicked out of campuses across the United States, also across the the world. And all of a sudden, I was stuck in America. I'm I'm originally from Botswana, and and I couldn't go home. And I suddenly had a bunch of free time after I, I graduated where I couldn't really go anywhere. And I was feeling utterly miserable about myself and not feeling particularly good. And I'd always been into poetry, but suddenly I had this huge vacuum of of time. Um, I was working through a lot of different things. I was working through um, my feelings about being a Black diasporic African um, in America. I was uh, working through some aesthetic debates I was having with the Western canonical poetry tradition, especially with regards to my relationship with Sylvia Plath. I was also navigating the end of uh, a breakup and a lot of that energy came into the poems too. But at the same time, I briefly was working as a third grade teacher assistant. So I found that 
um, over time, the kids started appearing in the poems. I didn't set out uh, at the time to write a manuscript that was like, publishable. I mostly wanted to, you know, fool around a little bit, try and find my voice. Um, but at, at some point in the process, things started looking a lot more coherent than I actually expected. I made more progress than I thought was initially possible. Uh, I started off with a chapbook and then the chapbook grew larger than the confines of a chapbook and became a book book. And I uh, started working with some of my old professors in undergrad, um, Josh Bell and Jory Graham at Harvard, um, and also started working with Jay Deshpande at Brooklyn Poets. And the thing just blossomed into its own creature that almost <laughs> nearly had nothing to do with whatever the heck I thought it was initially about. The original title was Film Studies, which was a terrible, pretentious title, and I'm glad it changed. Um, we ended up, I ended up settling on Please Make Me Pretty, I Don't Want to Die, because one of my my workshop mates in undergrad um, said, uh, said that that line, which is in one of the poems, the prayer poem in the fall section, um, was the type of thing that she thought would would fit really well on a t-shirt and that I should sell a bunch of t-shirts with that <laughs> with that line and so um that ended up being the title it ended up being basically the conceit of of the collection because I was working through uh feelings of what it meant to be desired in a country that often seems like it literally longs for your death <laughs> as a as a as a black person um and I ended up settling on that title. It also, I think, helped me address some of the, for lack of a better phrase, like issues of depression and self-esteem at the time of writing it, which thankfully have mostly been dealt with, question mark. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, it was mostly like having a lot of time during the pandemic and having a feeling, a lot of feelings I needed to work through. And that's how the project started. It, your explanation, it, uh, to me, informs the way you structured uh, your collection. Uh, you you divided uh, your poems uh, into four groups, and you uh, titled the groups by the seasons. And mm -hmm. it, it is it is fascinating for me to think about, given what you just described, the the way you choose it. Because I I, I you know to me, I always think of seasons in, in the sense of spring, summer fall, winter, or, and you instead start with summer, fall, mm. winter, spring. And I think about it, if I think of it in terms of like a bell curve and, mm. and, and or uh, in terms of how it works, it's, it, it's, it's almost like you, 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 instead of, you know, starting and doing like an upswing the way I, I, I think of the seasons and in, in, in way you do it, you, you're starting from a peak and then you're going into a trough and you seem to come back out. And I'm wondering, is, is that, uh, I, am I reading something into that, or is or is or is uh, or, or is there a, a different thinking behind the way that you've structured the book the way that you have? Yeah, you know, I like the way that you think about it because I was thinking in my way of of thinking about it, like um, traditional season structure. Um, I mostly think of things beginning in fall. Maybe that's because of um, the logic of an academic calendar. And given that I started working on the project in earnest in summer, I suppose it makes sense that it begins in the summer. But originally when I, I structured the manuscript, I tried to attempt some kind of chronology of the events that happened um, to me over the past two-ish years that, um, I, that I'd been working on it, I guess. 
or one and a half issue at one year, time kind of melts into a strange nothingness in pandemic terms. But um and and so I, I I had sent it out to one of my friends, a really awesome fiction writer, her name's Sabrina Lee, um, to just take a look at it. And you know, she, you know, and she looked at it and she's like, okay, I don't see any like narrative through line here <laughs> how are these poems arranged and but she just happened to say that she noticed stuff about seasons a lot and so i decided to try structuring the poems grouping them according to like what seasons um the poems seem to fit best in um oftentimes the poems literally were obsessed with particular seasons because i um my my feelings changed very violently with the landscape of american weather um, they obviously there are seasons in Botswana, but not to the degree of of change in the outside world as as they are in America. So I, I found myself during my time in the states becoming like incredibly depressed during the winter when things were just very dark because I'm used to being in a sunny, warm place for the entirety of my year for the most part. I mean, things get dark and cold in Botswana, but not to the degree that they get in America. Um, and I also noticed um, I became really desperate for sunlight, um, extremely desperate for sunlight. And I, I also noticed that um, fall, which used to be this wonderful, pretty thing for me when I first came to the States, um, because I hadn't seen trees change colors like that before. It ended up being like this weird harbinger of doom that if I saw the leaves turn color, that I would see winter, I knew winter was coming and there was a signal that I would be unhappy for a couple of months whenever I saw the leaves changed. Um, and I think a couple of the poems implicitly deal with the various like fractures of mood and mind that happen when you see the weather turning against you. Though one thing that was pretty nice too with ending in the spring um, is that um, the way Sylvia Plath, who is a, a huge influence in a lot of my poetry and in this book in particular, um, she ended her original aerial manuscript of the word spring um, in the original manuscript that she had before she died. Uh, and Ted Hughes' ordering of that manuscript is different and the last poem is different too. And so it was a really fun coincidence that I got to end as Plath did with spring. Um, which I found really amusing, not amusing. I, I I found that a little heartwarming, actually, um, given the persistent engagement slash disagreement throughout her, the text was a nice kind of resolution. I was wondering if you could uh, perhaps share with us uh, a, a poem or two from each section and, and, and maybe not uh, you read it if if you don't want to, but but tell us a bit about how it exemplifies the the. Uh, the use of the sections that that you describe, like like, is, it, is there a particular poem that is especially emblematic in your collection of what you were doing with summer or with mm -hmm. uh, fall or winter or so forth? Sure. Um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll read one from each section that has a particular thing about the weather or has or is very clearly structured is very clearly placed in that moment of time. Um, so I'll start with summer, the first section, and read a poem called Connecticut. And this poem is about my first year in America. Um, at the very end of my first year in America, I had gotten a scholarship to uh, a prep school in Connecticut, um, Taft School, the Taft School in Watertown, Connecticut. And at the end of my time there, 
I ended up staying with um, with this old man who um, was the father of one of the faculty there because um, my flight was leaving um, later than when the seniors were supposed to vacate these dorms. There seems to be a lot of vacating of these in, in this book, but anyways, this poem is called Connecticut. Mornings, his wife could not remember who my face was. Her face stared at me with a mushy smile while Henry ate the same cornflakes with bananas. I watched the yellow flakes uncrisping in his bowl of milk, his gums too soft to bear them. Henry then put me to work on his fields. I don't know who first said it. Probably his teeth cackled fields to his friend who visited him, limping gently as Henry rolled around in his red tractor. It roared through his backyard, funneling narrow lanes into the black, hot soil. Waddling after him in my white sneakers, I held blue seeds of grass that pricked my fingers. I tossed them over the soil like a flower girl. Why they blew, I asked him. Fertilizer coating, he said. Dry mutant rice, said my fizzy mind. Nights, they opened with heavy sweat. He would sit and watch Fox News blare. Me next to him, reading a long novel on suffering. But he shouldn't have paid me as a gardener. I dug about as well as a child in a sandbox, shallow, amazed by my skinny handling of that spade. It's crusted rust as dark as my dry skin. No, Henry paid my hands to hold his loneliness, to hear him. I needed a place to stay. He liked to hear me singing off key in the mornings, taking long, cold showers, and walk down these stairs to him, aging, waiting to plant more blue seeds. It's very, uh, it's just very, uh, uh, I, I think about your imagery and, and the way that you so nicely so nice. evoke it, a, a picture that I can see in my mind with, with, with so few words. Yeah, thank you. I think um, this is one of the few poems I think that I think I was able to like actually construct a narrative out of. I think the poems in the book tend to be more imagistic, more more like associative moving and not really have a clear thing happening. That particular poem I think was a product of like much struggling to like write about something that actually happened and be very clear about what the context of of the things happening to me at the time were. Um, I, you know, a funky thing about it is that I kept thinking about about sending not, not sending an email to to um, to the cat not the character the person in the poem Henry um, and you know send him a little thank you letter for having for having let me, let me stay with him, but also just to say hi and and uh, and talk about how I missed him or how I was doing and see how he was doing. 
but I never really got around to doing that. I, I ended up Googling what was up with him and, and seeing his obituary, which was very strange to to see after, you know, you you accidentally preserve someone in time in a poem um, and, and show, I guess, or try to show some degree of care, but then the real world moves on and all you're left is with images, I guess, <laughs> which is very, very strange. But um, yeah, I think the poem is, is, is a little, I wouldn't say it's characteristic, I guess, of, of, of a lot of the things that are happening in the book, but I think it's most emblematic of something that literally happened in the summer. Um, um, I could uh, read one from the fall section Please do. Called, uh, called Near It. And this is the last poem in the fall section. Um, and this poem was written during the time that I was a third grade teacher assistant um, in Cambridge, Mass. Near it. Please no longer the need to be harmed by colors. The streets in this continent change as easy as fingernails latching onto me when you breathe like this. Press hard. Your skin bruises easy as leaves. I watch leaves cold now while lonely cars glide past the playground. No matter this light that flees early, I allow myself this. I amass a nest of smaller rays. The birds do their final gathering and I am gone again, returning for the rest of this day. Here, an old tree, an old tree by this fence, an old tree by this fence, by this road. Gravel intermingles above soil with newer reds revealing themselves as leaving to beneath roots. Shall I press myself against brick, pretend, yes, that I was here, will here, Beneath feet, beneath brick, beneath leaves above you, we'll hear all along the mass of days in which another dry conflagration falls into this box of tissues and sanitizer. Leaves, then my kids' hands, finally quiet in the classroom. Masks. I clean their hands and think again of their minds, stumbling across mathematics. Imagine the soft marvel of another planet where other minds do not stumble, cannot marvel, cannot I, but only sing. One song, and I am the last thought on earth, the fantasy of Schubert's four hands. I am not dying. I am not immediately dying. For I do not know that I will. For the backache, the doctors scan my heart and find my right ventricle might be thicker than it should be. The left ventricle pumps oxygenated blood to the body. I am so close to safety. I could confirm it now in my chest, a dream gone, breathing. I, I like that because it shows the, you know, the, the various ways in in which you you know, fall is 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 you know not just the literal seas but also you know in some ways very metaphorical uh, for in in terms of how that represents it. Yeah, I think 
um, it is a common trope, I think, both in lyric poetry, but I mean, also when people are moody with each other in the fall to associate fall with death. But I mean, I guess one part of the thing that's a little strange about that, or I guess what's strange about um, that in, in my situation in particular is that, you know, I wrote that poem when I was like 23, 24, um, pretty young, you know, and um, working with kids. And I guess it was strange to be thinking about this like perpetual omnipresence of death, given that the trees are, they're, they're not dying. They're just like simulating dying because they're like just going to hibernate. It's not technically that big of a deal. But my brain, I think, did that weird association with death that, that I think is fairly common, but I think also felt common in the context of inhonesty of being Black in this country and feeling a strange kind of omnipresence of death, um, just like walking around as, 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 a, as a Black man in particular, mm-hmm. especially these poems also coming out of the big Black Lives Matter protests of summer 2020. Um, I guess another thing that was strange or more incidental slash coincidental um, at the time I wrote the poem, um, um, I, I was get, I had like some backache stuff. And so um, I didn't know that that could be a sign of like heart issue stuff. So I, I was going in and out of hospitals and getting my heart scanned and stuff. Um, I mean, it was, it was totally fine, but I started thinking about how, how completely arbitrary and, and fragile a life is, which was a, a really strange thing to see when when you see like kids just at the beginning of their lives or or me having just graduated or just barely beginning my post-adolescence and supposedly in the beginning of mine and being deeply depressed in the context of seasonal depression. Uh, I also think about how you evoke, uh, you know, the experience of COVID, where it was something where we were all being told, you know, that that this is something that is potentially very lethal. And while certain groups were more uh, susceptible to up than others in terms of uh, mortality, it was this sense that potentially it could happen to anybody at any time, regardless of whether you're old or young, and how that's it, that that's that that makes an appearance in the poem as well. Yeah, it was it it was definitely um, curious. I would guess, like you know, when when working uh, with 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 the kids and having to make sure they they have their masks on in the classroom, or at that time they also have to have have they were required to have the masks on outside of the classroom. You know, constantly like I don't want to use the word policing, but more like taking care in that they had to like sanitize their hands and. Um, making sure they didn't talk during lunch while they're eating, so um, so they're not respiring all over each other. <laughs> Just all these all these little things that um, you know disrupted their their childhood and the normal functioning of society, um, and made the playground. It was still a beautiful place. They still laughed and chuckled around with each other, um, even though they weren't allowed to touch each other and so on. Um, they still found the vibrancy of youth within themselves but it was, it was strange it was like a weird simulation of life because you'd still see them having to social distance and wear masks and try to find that childhood vibrancy despite all of that gunk um i really admired them for it you know um like yes the pandemic was hard for all of us but also for for a lot of the kids like 
this is just the beginning of their ability to start socializing with people. A lot of them didn't really have people to 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 other kids to chat with outside of school, or I became the person that they talked to, and in turn they became that person for me, which I guess it makes sense in in retrospect why they kind of accidentally appeared in the poems because they were such a profound source of life and joy for me in a time that didn't feel great. Um, they made me feel very much that life was possible, that my life was still possible. They made life seem possible every day. I, I was thinking a, 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 a bit about life as well. Uh, if we could skip ahead to the uh, spring, uh, spring portion, uh, we, in in the way you present two poems in particular, uh, which are ear and, and vertebra, because uh, I mean, I, I was especially struck when, when you when you did ear because uh, you, you start with you you, uh, you know, start by talking uh, you know Van Gogh's ear is, is lying now without Zyrtec in a field, and it, it instantly it you know starts talking about other body parts. I, I, mm -hmm. I and, and, and and it made me think about the 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 human organism and 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 you know and and you know its functioning and everything and I, and I I thought that was really fascinating how you know reading the way you describe you know kind of you're not you're not necessarily describing a body in detail you're just you know talking about these various functions and yet it's very evocative in that in that way yeah you know the I guess the big irony is that uh I I I personally like always resented having a body in some sense um <laughs> even these though these poems are honestly very physical and um often delve into the physicality of of being in in romantic and sexual relationships and or of having allergies <laughs> or the physicality of being black in america or 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 seeing kids jump around and so on but um i guess um that that I, I didn't go out of my way to necessarily represent body parts that happened by accident. I think it's one of those things where if you resent something, maybe you secretly love it. Um, some of my, my, a lot of my poetry friends, you know, I, I will say to them like, oh, I, I'm so tired of body poems. I hate body poems. And they're like, you're a body poet, dude. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah, leave me alone. Shut up. Well, I, I, I suppose I could read this ear poem then. Um, um, I, I was actually thinking maybe the uh, uh, the, the vertebra poem also. Oh yeah, I could do that one too. Um, this was actually also written during the during the pandemic. I, I remember where I wrote it. I was staying with a uh, my my roommate's family in in Middlebury, Vermont, and that's where I wrote about it. Thinking of a friend from college that I couldn't see. But sure, let's let's go ahead and read vertebra. More of you. The choice between water and mud, and mud turning into water anyway. Things wash themselves, is what the clouds kept saying. The stream shallows, then breaks open with new wash months later, then goes again into startled coda, like sleep. Found another stone, and it was not filled with secrets. All it wanted to say is that it's been here a long time, and that when it was larger, an even longer time then, I did not hold it, it was too heavy to even touch. 
In the corner of this, a child throws it across the stream, and there starts something else entirely known. When you said to me that there's something in my teeth, you called it a smile. I sounded out again and again. I, I really like that poem because I I, I think about I, I I tie it back to the the you know the section title and and how you what you're describing there I, I just see so much renewal uh, represented in it the, the the notion of 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 change but change that 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 births something you know fresh and and, and I, I thought that was uh, it, I it just, it really helped it. it you know, illuminate for me that that you know the what you were you know that 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 theme of, of that part of your uh, collection. Thank you so much for saying that. And you know, it's 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 funny that you're saying this. I guess in, in retrospect, because I hardly do this one at readings. Um, I guess mostly because it's short and it's the type of thing that I'd want people to see rather than hear. Even though I mean, I spend a lot of time editing it by reciting it out loud to myself again and again. But um, I, I did want that possibility of renewal because when I met the subject of, of that poem in particular, um, a friend of mine from undergrad, also a brilliant writer, um, poet, scholar, jack of all trades person, um, she, I guess she made me feel like I could be renewed um, she always be believed in the idea of me being a poet, and I didn't. I, I, I mean, I loved poetry. I still love poetry, but I didn't think I could write as well as the people who I admired. And and she really beat that belief in me, and she made me believe in other things. And meeting her at the end of undergrad was a huge source of renewal for me. Um, a very huge source of renewal given how things turned out there. The years before weren't very great, but my last year getting to meet meet her made, made all the difference. Um, and I think that's important in general with, with writing poetry, of having people who can support you like that, who can be in your corner, who believe your voice matters, or even believe something <laughs> so simple as your smile matters, honestly. Well, we appreciate the time you've taken to speak with us, but before we go, could you uh, let us know what you're uh, working on now? Oh, sure. Um, right now, honestly, I'm taking a break, uh, <laughs> not writing anything. Um, I think I put a lot of myself into this project, and I'm trying to keep it chill and not psych myself out. I have an idea for a second project um, that um, will be will similarly have um, some Plath energy in it. I'm still thinking about her. I'm thinking a lot about um, suicide and I'm trying to get into reading philosophy of suicide and, and the history of how we think about suicide um, in a poetic context and um, thinking about that in the context of elegy and the history of elegy. Um, and that is kind of where my mind is at for a second project, but I'm not actually like writing anything in terms of form. I'm, I'm thinking about putting those as a series of long poems. I um, I want them to feel like, um, I want them to feel operatic <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and be like lyric philosoph philosophical investigations.
but who knows what will happen? Who knows? Well, it sounds like a fascinating project. I, I, I look forward to seeing the results. Thank you. And thanks so much for taking the time to chat. It was my pleasure. I hope you have a wonderful day. You too. Take care, Mark.